Redbone is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. His producer, Ludwig... Ludwig Gorenson. Gorenson? Ludwig Gorenson. Ludwig. Lud, Lud, Ludwig. Get the proper Gorenson. English pronunciation of this. Was it's it really Swiss? German. Is it Swiss or German? He's Swiss. Swedish. Swedish, okay. Bloody Americans. Well, I mean, it's all... <laughs> it's European, damn. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, were in, we were on the right continent. And <laughs> you wonder why we are where we are. We were... We, I said, I said Swiss... <laughs> You said Swedish. I said, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. See, y'all need to just stick with white. Shit, play it safe. <laughs> now I'm about to take it back to 84. When I was 14, kicking back in the trees, West Side, if you please. Welcome to the B Side. Scoop. Isaac. Jahan. Arthur. The music snow snow <laughs> This is the Music Snobs Podcast. My name is Arthur, your lead voice, and I am joined as always by my co-hosts Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. Donald Glover. Who is? I thought he was gonna say Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was gonna say Trump. It's like when well, you say like Donald this. now, it's no, like no, that's like, all oh, you hear. Yeah. It's like I thought you were gonna say Trump. Here we go. I thought you Donald Trump. J. Trump. That's what I thought you were about to say. I thought I said, "Damn, we gonna start it like that." Donald Glover. Yeah, say it quicker. No pause. <laughs> Donald Glover has been making major moves, most recently, uh, winning in Golden Globe for. Uh, his creation of what would he win the category for? I know it was for Atlanta, his television show on FX. He got a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a TV Comedy or Musical, and the show also won the award for Best TV Series, Comedy or Musical. But he's also cast as young Lando Calrissian in whatever the uh, Han Solo prequel Star Wars young Han Solo movie is going to be that's going to be released in 2018 is it going to be released oh it is going to yeah it's going to be released there was there was a cast photo that was put out see Isaac and I are we're Star Wars heads and we haven't talked about this on whether or not we think that this is a good casting I do but um I think that Glover would have to um he would have he would have to add more authentic swag per se than I've seen him display in his other roles, even on Atlanta and definitely community, but also in The Martian. There's a certain um, naivety about the approach to some of his roles that I believe Lando isn't, you're not going to have that. It is called acting, right? Yeah, but yeah, but to be fair though, Jay, a lot of cast are actors who play themselves repeatedly, and you know, especially in Hollywood, they play themselves. Sure. I would say that this is this is going to be interesting to me because this character of Lando is going to... I think this is the point you're trying to make, Arthur. This is the most against type he's had to play. Yes. Because Community, um, all his other roles, I didn't see The Martian, but... But it depends what... It depends how they're going to present Lando to us. And that's the that's the important part, which you just said, how they're going to present right. Lando. Because really quick... Him as a character. Yeah, not to get two Star Wars on here, but really quick... It, I do feel, feel like this is against type for him a little bit, but I think most people's perceptions of that character 
when I hear other Star Wars people talk about it, I haven't read all the books or all the comic books because I know they did. A, I think Lando had his own comic book in the 80s, I believe. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more of his story told than what was in the, the two films he was in. But if you just look at those two films, we don't know a lot about him. But I, when I hear other Star Wars people talk about him, they're like, you know, Lando is smooth and he's this ladies man, blah, blah, blah. He flirted with uh, Leia a little bit. Yeah, you didn't. But there was a very that, short amount it wasn't, of time. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of it. I think they're like, like, yeah, they're talking about the mythology of Billy D. Williams yes. as opposed to the character of Lando Calrissian. Right. And it's almost like they're putting Lando in that whole, you know, black male mythology about being this, you know, this player. Correct. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like they love talking about that. I hear right. the Star Wars dudes right. talk about it. And they're like, yeah, right. Lando's so Correct. smooth. I'm like, right. Lando ain't Your that. Your response about Billy D. I think part of it that people associate Lando with Billy D. There's also a component that thinks that Han Solo is the coolest cat on the planet as well. So yeah, whether Billy that. D was black was or not, this is his exactly. best friend. So he, exactly. you got to be a cool motherfucker in order to hang with him over the years. So yeah. so there's something there. There's something they, they had to run together. They got a story to tell together. So I think there's also a role. There's something in that what people believe, and that's what they project into who Lando was. No, 100%. Han Solo is that dude. 100%. And for you to be with him for 40 years, you got to be a cool dude, too. So I think I think we need to take that in consideration as well. Is that fair, Jahan? I'm, I'm 100% with you. I'm, I'm completely unclear as to how any of this discussion relates to <laughs> Awaken My Love, but yeah, I'm 100% with you. Okay. Awaken My Love is the centerpiece of this whole discussion. It's been uh, hailed by some as the future of funk, but it's been rejected by others as George Clinton karaoke. Let me get the question out there. Is Childish Gambino one of the culture's most authentic figures, or is this just another role for Donald Glover? Is he the future of funk? I would say no. No. Is this George Clinton karaoke? No. No. Is he Mm. one of the most authentic figures? Yes. Exactly. Mm. And I think the... Arthur, do you agree with what Isaac just said? No, I don't agree. I don't... Okay, first of all, let me just say, I do not like Awaken My Love. And what I've been struggling with is the fact that this this album, this particular album, is exactly the album that I would champion. Mm -hmm. It's completely different to what came before it. That's the thing. He's legit trying to do this material. I've, I've listened to this album at least two dozen times. It just ain't you. It just, I, I have a visceral reaction to it. You listen to it's, an album you don't like two dozen times? Because. I like trying it. To like I it. ain't listened to it two dozen times. <laughs> because, but he's trying to like it. He's trying to find out <laughs> wow. why he doesn't like I it. I respect what he's trying to do. I respect the music that he is using as his template. You just don't like the execution. The execution is off. He's punching way above his rate uh, uh, on this record. Way above his weight. I, I actually agree with you. I just like it. <laughs> Arthur, you said trying to do. Yeah. You think he's you, you you think he's failed? Yes. I don't believe him as a funk vocalist. Yeah, but you know what, real quick, I, I agree with everything Arthur said, but I don't view Awaken My Love as the future of funk. He's not the future of funk. I don't buy him as a funk vocalist. I view this album as a homage to the funk, you know, the music that he likes. And that's the problem. And I, 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 I do like it. I do too. I get I get <laughs> but, what he's trying to do. It's but, just the, the, the delivery specifically of his vocal. It's just so I mean, I, I, I didn't you know what I think the difference I, right I think now. the difference I think the difference though for me is that I did not take his vocal seriously because it sound and I believe he said somewhere where he didn't augment it, which is 
insane to me. It sounds so augmented, so computerized that I never took his vocal seriously. I wouldn't, if he was performing, you know, tomorrow, I would have doubts about going to see the show because I'm like, he ain't going to be able to recreate that on stage. I've know, seen so. I've seen two performances. One was on uh, The Tonight Show and he did Redbone. And another one he did uh, Me and Your Mama. And I forget it was like a listening party, some kind of festival, some big thing. That was Pharaoh's, right? Yes. Yes, it was. The delivery on both terrible? of those were just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's like, when I heard this album, I had one of the similar reactions I had when I to this as to when I heard uh, Kendrick's album. When I heard Kendrick's album, I, lo- I love Kendrick's album, but I had the feeling I'm probably not going to listen to this a lot. And I said this on the show because it felt like a, it felt like music I'd already heard before. And this album with Awaken My Love, I felt like I'd heard all this music before. I yeah. felt like it was a homage. I, lo- I liked it. You remember I texted y'all. I was like, I really dig this. Yeah. But even then I knew I'm not going to listen to this a lot because there's nothing new here. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I say, yeah, he's not the future of funk. I don't buy him as a funk out al- as a funk vocalist. But I bought this album as a homage to the music he liked, and I dug it for that. I really dug it. You guys are focusing on his, um, on him and his vocals. What about the music? Like, take him out of it. Is it is it Arthur? Is it a legit funk album to you? I want this album as an instrumental. So you do. So you are happy musically. With yeah, Ludwig Göransson's production is fine, and let everybody. Me, let, that's me take a, let me take everybody a wild guess. Legit. I Jahan mean, Ludwig, is not happy with the music. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, <laughs> Ludwig Göransson is legit. He scored Creed. He scored Fruitvale Station. He scored uh, Music for Community, which is probably where he and Donald met. And it's 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 not. It, you know, it, this is not like Bruno Mars. And and my man um, Ronson, you know, trying to karaoke the '80s or something like that. But it's like PhD level funk without having a masterclass. Can I ask? We need another as, album. In as between. the old man in this joint, as no disrespect to you all, but as the cat, and I'm not saying you all don't know, but as, as the one cat here that was born and rooted in the '70s, when the fuck did this become funk? <laughs> This is not funk. When, who called no, no, this no, funk? No, 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 Scoop. No, no, no. I'm asking the question. I ain't said. I haven't. I haven't offered an opinion either way on the album. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm throwing it out generally. That when did this music become funk? Because I know funk. This is not funk. Yeah, talk about it. Let's talk be clear it. on that. It's dope music, but this is not funk music. It's almost disrespectful to call this funk. It's decent music. It's fine, but it's not funk. It may not be a label for it yet. Yeah, but tell us why it isn't funk. What is it, what is missing from it to you? Oh, I tell, okay, I'll tell you, I'll be very, and, and Arthur will understand this. Because Arthur calls the one, I call it the bottom. Hallelujah! Yeah, yeah, right. Funk has to have a bottom. There's no bottom to it. There's no, funk is rooted in bass, there's a bottom to funk. Now, and that's the 70s funk. We ain't going back to the James Brown 60s funk, where it was the funk was based on the one. Right. I'm talking about the funk that is led, that, 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 that extended from what, Boosie Collins and, and Bernie Worrell, you know, and, and Junie. You know, the funk that's laden in that bottle. Watch out now, baby. 
that bottom that makes your head fucking nod. That's fucking funk. This is not funk. There's nothing wrong. I think it's great, but it's like when people started attaching Sade to being a jazz artist, you know, and be the group. That's not jazz. There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm trying to wonder, and I keep hearing funk being around. Mm -hmm. If we take it out of the category of funk, Maybe may have a, stay, a, a chance to stand on, but th this is not funk but, at all. But you know what? Even if you take it out of that category of traditional bottom funk, and even if you say, okay, this is more of a homage to maybe 80s, mid-80s, radio-friendly slash funk. But it's not. It could have been. To me, it's still a homage. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's not. I just, that's what I'm saying. I can't. Like Arthur is saying, okay, it's a master class. I get where he's going with that. It's a PhD level that he's 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 punching above his weight. <laughs> but I just feel like, yo, this is this is the music that this kid likes. You know what I'm saying? He tried a lot of it. Let's be honest. If he listed who influenced him most, Prince would be at the top. It wouldn't be the cats Maybe. that influenced Prince. Right. It'd be Prince. Right. And that's where I think Redbone hits at. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? That's why it's so. That's that song is probably hitting you, um, in the right place. But it's just, I, I guess for me, well, I don't it's take me it. Well, in the right place because, I mean, it's 77 Bootsy. You know, it's based off of what to say. See, when I, hear, when I hear Redbone, I hear more Prince, though. No, I hear You Redbone, hear more Prince in the vocal, But the maybe. bottom of Redbone is Ohio Players. There you go. That's what it is. It's Ohio <laughs> Players. It's Heaven Must Be Like This. It's rooted just in that. That's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. I believe that Childish is, is better for 80s groove type music. And I'm saying that if they were going to use, if he and Ludwig were going to use a template, it would have been, a, the perfect album for me would have been Bernard Wright. Bernard. In fact, I brought music samples. <laughs> Everything that I'm saying, I'm, I'm basing it off of the assumption that, that Glover is trying to push an agenda, that he's trying to make a point, that he's trying to move the music into a different way. I'm making that assumption. Yeah, I don't if think that's not the case, then okay. I don't think but, so. I believe that this, the kind of presentation that he's making lends me to believe that, that he is trying to overtly push this music into a different direction. Well, for me, I pretty much agree with Scoop. Redbone, I love like the rest of the world does. Me and Your Mama, I think, is pretty great once it gets started. I think it's very much his vision. I read an interview yesterday, actually, at Billboard with um, Ludwig Göransson, Swedish white man who um, <laughs> well well played Jahan <laughs> who was saying interestingly enough that he didn't listen to funk before making this album Childish said look this is what I want to do this is the music in my head and you know he played in Maggot Brain etc Ludwig went away and studied the music I think he's done a good job in many ways but but it might be that it's just not a lifelong object of affection for him there's something about it that has a kind of paint-by-numbers feel to me. And to be fair, maybe that's inevitable, you know, for anyone who hasn't lived and breathed and bled this type of music. Right, because you just said he studied it. He studied it. He, everything you said is about him studying stuff instead of him actually feeling it and being rooted in it. Yeah, correct. And this is why I agree, I guess, mostly with Scoop, because... Having spoken to people who've recorded with George Clinton, etc., it was all based on Clinton's view of feeling. Clinton's view of just like taking what's inside outside rather than, and, and when I say what's inside, what's in your heart, what's in your yeah. gut, rather than what's in your head. 
And, you know, there's a lot, you know, I think all the greatest musicians will tell you, get out of your head. Exactly. And, you know, I'm just speaking generally now and not about this album or the producer. But if your only exposure to something is through your study of it, rather than a genuine love, there's going to be a difference. There's going to be an audible difference. And that scoop is probably what you're hearing. You have to also draw a distinction between the band that was Parliament Funkadelic mm-hmm. and Childish Gambino's session band or touring band. I mean, you've got to be fair. You're talking Bernie Worrell, Bootsy, Michael Hampton, Jerome Bailey, Junie Morrison. I mean, these are grandmaster level cats. Mm-hmm. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal musicians. It's very, very hard for anyone to suddenly just be able to let it breathe like that and you know, make something equivalent. It's, it's actually an unfair request to even expect that they could do it. Also in defense of Gambino, in the 60s and 70s when these albums were being recorded, there weren't the restrictions industry-wise or radio-wise on what you could record that there are today. No one would have thought twice about including a blistering guitar solo of like four minutes Mm -hmm. playing right through the track, right behind you, right behind the vocals, just going all out. No one would have thought twice about, you know what, let's not loop the keyboard. Let's have let's have the organist and a and a guy on Rhodes and a guy on piano and a guy on Moog all over each other, all playing independently throughout the song. Nowadays you're asking a lot more of your audience to be able to mentally process that stuff. I very much expect the average record label, the average A&R executive to be like, well, hang on, that's a bit, you know, you, we need to tone that down. That's, that's too funky. Even if you listen to Me and Your Mama, there's a guitar solo that's buried deep, deep, deep in the background on the left channel. I was listening to it last night, I was thinking, why don't they bring that out more? Why don't we hear that more? Maybe it was a conscious decision on their part that they didn't want it, but so... I do like the album. I think the first half of the album is pretty pretty great. I like the songs. Also on the Parliament Funkadelic comparison, P-Funk Cats, they didn't tend to do kind of sparse or empty tracks. Stand Tall, for example, would maybe have a lot more chords in it and a few more layers. Now that might be that might be what Gambino wanted. He might have wanted it to be sparse, etc. But you know, it's a difference. In, yeah. in fact, I think I'd like to point this out as well for, for our listeners in case they're interested. The parts that I really, really love on the album are um, what I consider to be the more musical parts, um, which actually borrow less directly from Funkadelic and they usually come in the form of breakdowns. So exactly midway through Have Some Love, the chords, the bass, the rhythm, the percussion, it sets up this lovely chill groove, which is really fleshed out. that's when the track actually diverts from its root which is clearly Funkadelic's Can You Get To That at about 2 minutes and 40 into Zombies the whispering the girl the nice chords under the processed guitar sound um, I love that 
it's um, it's it's really nicely fleshed out and it took me somewhere I didn't expect. It felt unpredictable and and pretty joyous. Other than that, you know, Riot. I don't I don't beef with Riot, but I like it. But it is just a sample of "Good to Your Earhole." Lyrics they kind of lift the uh, put your hands together, come on, stomp your feet directly from that. You know, Boogeyman is like it's like a kind of love child of Super Stupid and Hit It and Quit It. Baby boys, Sly Stones, just like a baby. Um, so the influence is 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 clear. But to sum up this long, long ass soliloquy, I think Funkadelic Parliament P-Funk had phenomenal next level grandmaster musicians and the tracks were so complicated and fleshed out and harmonic this album seems a lot sparser and a little bit more modern in its rhythms so right and i admire what they've done but i wouldn't call it funk and that's funny because that's the reason i like the album because i don't put it in that category I don't, I don't, I, I didn't label it as funk, so I just took it for, for me, for what it was, and just listened to it openly. It's like, oh, this is pretty, it's pretty dope because as, as minimal as it is, it's less minimal than a lot of the other music coming out now because mm-hmm. there are at least some layers there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I stand with you vocally. You know, that's the one thing I said to my kids when I heard me and your mom. I'm like, that's the one song that I didn't like because I'm like. He's trying to sing like Lenny Kravitz, but he can't sing like Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. So he shouldn't try to sing like Lenny Kravitz. But after hearing the rest of the album, after hearing that, it sonically made sense to me. It's like, oh, I see what he's trying to do. I, you know, I kind of see what he's trying to attempt. It, But funk never came into my head. It was like, oh, this is kind of groovy. That's I can listen, fair, I get it. And that's why I like the album as a whole, mm-hmm. because it was just a departure from, one, what he had done before. Two from what Atlanta's all about, which he spent having many two years, like really constructing from a, a visual standpoint mm-hmm. to a storytelling standpoint to a musical standpoint, you know, and, and and three just it stood alone on its own as as nothing with no labels. Oh, this is like cool, kind of. I hate to put it as a com- uh, a comparison because it's two different things, but it's sort of the way I felt about Solange's album. It's like th- this is not really a soul album. It's not an R&B album. This is not a. It's just it's just what it is. Yeah, and, and I, don't I felt the same be, way about that. I don't need it to be a. And funk that's why album. I appreciate I, it. I appreciate both of them for that reason. I'm not stuck on it needing to be in some kind of genre. My problem, I don't, I don't know where he is in this album. Beyond this. All right, so let me ask you. Let me ask you a really simple question though. Do you like the music? Take all the context. That's what I'm asking. Take that's all the context out of it. Take all of what you know about him. Take it out of the time space of 19 of 2017. Take it out. Just do you like the music? Yes. Apart from Redbone which I think was so vocally when hear, executed when you hear perfectly the songs, for that music. the vocals throw you off yes okay All right. because they're not consistent no I think they're consistent I mean there's no consistent that's what I'm saying I don't know where he is but that's what I'm saying you it. keep saying that and I don't you're saying you don't know where he is in the song or you don't know where he is in the attack and his, his, his approach or what he's trying to do because if I don't you just know where look he at is it, in the song because it's Arthur, like you take, not you fair. take baby that's not fair because not to god forbid we bring everything back to prince but parade sometimes it snows in april new position incredibly different like stratospherically different vocal performances from one man on one album that we all agree is one of his most cohesive mm-hmm. ab- but the singular identity is that albums. prince can sing donald glover can't 
But is that what you're saying, though? Are you saying you just don't like the performance, or are you? Because no, I got he's saying that just... some people can get away with that, like Prince can, and he can't. And it makes sense. And it, it, Prince is much easier to swallow in that because it's like, look, at least the vocals and what he's trying to do makes sense to me. Is that what am I? Am I? I'm trying to be on your. But is that what you're what saying? You're is saying? that what you're, are you saying? It's a quality thing. I thought you were just saying you didn't believe him. Because which is the thing what? Is, which is which, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on. But that falls right in line with what Scoop just said, though. Some people can get away with it. Some people can't. Okay, so wait. He's not Glenn Goins or Junie, but I think he sang well on the album. Mm-hmm. Especially on Redbone, other than all the processing. That gutsy, throaty style of singing, that's so soulful. That's very hard to do. I'm saying that he is not selling. I don't believe him as a soul singer. And that is what, that is the approach that he's taking on several of these songs based on templates of other great vocalists. Is that, he, that, is that he, straight ahead enough? He can't sing. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, that's what you're saying. You're saying he can't sing. Is that what you're, that's what I'm trying to find. It's out. more I feel than like that, you're, I feel like you're saying a, a I mean, more, it's more complex than version it's more than of that. Janet can't Jackson sing. can't Janet Jackson can't sing. But she's not trying we to do no all this. ain't got problem with control. But she, not, but she wasn't trying but, to but do that. Premise, and when, and but when she did Lewis cover up what she can't do. She stays in her lane, though. Right, and when she does go out of her lane, it's clearly that, automated. And, I, and that's why I, that, that's why I started this whole thing off about saying, well, I believe that he's punching above his weight. Mm-hmm. He could very likely get to this level, but I need another album in the middle of that for him to progress to this. Well, see, if, that's, trying, that's, if this is what he's trying to do, if this is what he's trying to do, and that's I think that's interesting right there because after I heard this album, I liked it like Jahan liked it, but I don't want his next album. I don't want to hear him singing again. I, I told my son, I'm like, well, I hope his next album he's going to go back to to, to, to MC and to rapping. Like, I don't want to hear him sing. Because to me, if you're, if, if you're saying, okay, if you're correct in thinking that, okay, he's trying to get to this place, mm-hmm. then that is a little bit more distressing to me. Because it's like, I don't see him ever getting there. It's like, he's not a vocalist. Like, But, it, but we, we talked about how much talent he has. So talent usually lends itself to what goes on inside of people's heads. And Ludwig said, hey, look, this is what was inside his head, right? We know Donald mm-hmm. Glover from a music standpoint is so far, he's not giving you the same thing twice. So what's gonna be in his head a couple of years from now after he does another you know season of Atlanta musically, he's probably gonna be in a whole nother space. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of that may be rooted on the success of this, maybe, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for another album to like extend this and be better, it may be different because he may go in a whole other space as he has. His track record shows us that nothing's going to be similar. But see, this is why this this I, this is where I agree with you. But I want to take it another step. As a writer, I think naturally Donald Glover is a writer. Mm-hmm. I think that's his biggest talent. Yeah. Now, he's not a musician to me. No. And I think what happens but he is to still writes and thinks musically. Right. But to 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 kind of uh, piggyback or uh, to to jump on what Jahan was saying earlier, I think what happens is when we see when we think of you know musical progression, it happens when people listen to a lot of different influences. And they take that and as a musician, organically, they progress it in their own voice. If you're not a musician, you end up with a bunch of homages. You know what I'm saying? Or if you're not a you know, a musician of that level, you know what I'm saying? You'd be as a writer, I can see him, you know, organically growing and progressing, you know what I'm saying, as a writer and maybe the art form of, you know, whatever genre you wanna say he's writing in. 
I see that happening with Atlanta with some of his you know with the yeah. difference between um, his lyrics on or his his uh, his song structures on because of the internet as, as opposed to camp I see a progression mm-hmm. you know whether you want to whether you like it or you don't like it there's a difference there I don't see him progressing musically outside of these homages that he's doing because I don't think he's a musician and I think that's I hate to keep bringing it back to something we talked about repeatedly on this show but we have a lack of musicians in culture right now people who have no you know uh, relationship with actual instruments Mm -hmm. and I think that when you talk about Janet her music progressed Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis they're musicians you know there was a progression there there was a you know we're not seeing that I think where we are today and this is one thing I love about this album about Awaken My Love and about um, what Kendrick is doing, we I think right now we are in a remedial phase for our younger for our younger cats for cat you know teenagers who are listening to this music. Um, my son loved this album. Mm-hmm. He had never heard a lot of this type of music. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so for a lot of these kids, this is kind of like a gateway for them to maybe access something that they aren't getting on the radio or any other other place other That's than when really they important. take a few minutes to hear what their parents are listening to, if their parents are listening to stuff like that. I think hopefully this remedial, maybe it'll lend itself to some type of progression. But right now, I guess I like this album, Arthur, because I did not take it in the same light that you took it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see him trying to do certain things. Mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, this is a nice, you know, this is a homage to the music that he likes. And I took it as that, boom. And I felt like, okay, I like it. I'm probably not going to listen to this a lot because it feels like music I've already heard before. But I dug it for what it was. I just don't see him, you know, going to a different level. I see him, like Scoop said, doing something different, but I don't see him musically, you know, progressing or becoming the future of whatever type of, you know, music you want to call it. Cause I just don't think he's a musician of that. that. And if Goran or whatever the guy, whoever he's working with, unless they're taking over the project, which it doesn't sound like they're doing, they're basically looking at him to say, okay, how do you, what do you want this to sound like? So it's fair to say that because Glover's got the resources, he could hire. He could he could go with a, a get a Jimmy Jam or Terry Lewis and do something. But the difference between him and Janet, Janet wasn't doing all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? This dude is doing television right. and film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, 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 you remember in, in 19, whatever that was, in the early 2000s, uh, prior before the last album Aaliyah did, I remember I said, this this next album could be her control or her rhythm nation. If she sequesters herself, stops doing all this acting and all this other stuff and just focuses on it to do these type of masterpieces and to progress music. It takes, it takes focus. You know what I'm saying? It takes a focus on this is what I'm doing. Janet wasn't doing all this stuff that, that uh, Donald Glover is doing. And I think that he has a better chance, I think of progressing himself as an actor or a writer than he does as a musician. I think his music is. See, Isaac, I think maybe it's a little bit unfair because of what you've just said i don't know of any i can't think of really a figure in music or in entertainment who's done film tv and music simultaneously right because it's all in the same year he's mm-hmm. doing this stuff mm-hmm. all in the same year two years not it's not like a career break here and managed to nail every single one to a high degree i think it's just very very hard to make a masterpiece to make three masterpieces yeah, I agree. three different idioms. I agree 100%. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's very, very, very difficult. I think it is unfair to say I don't, we don't think he can um, progress as a musician or he, he cannot become a musician. I think he clearly has an aptitude for it. We have at least three albums from him, right. most of which, most of which we all think are strong in at least some counts. It's unfair of us to say he can't do it. He can't grow into it. 
I have every confidence. I think this is a strong album in many ways. But it, but but to, to just to ask you what Isaac, do you think he needs to give up everything in order to get to that space? That's what Isaac's saying. I believe that human beings cannot effectively multitask. You certainly can't pour every ounce of yourself emotionally and artistically into multiple projects at the same time. Right. I don't I don't I don't I don't believe it's possible. A better man than I am if you can do it, but I don't believe and, it's possible. And that's what so. I think, but that's what I think Isaac is actually and I don't think I don't think he, especially if this is direction his film because if this Lando if his character land of Lando Kylerson blows up, there's a commitment that he's gonna have to make to that character that's going to be oh, for sure. much longer than just doing this one film. We already know, and this is for sure, he, I think the project that he holds more dear to him than anything else is Atlanta. That's going to be where everything stems from. So what we're talking about is never going to happen. He's not going to give up. I don't think he's going to give up on his character, Lando, if it does blow up or from a film situation that's probably going to be presented to him. That money's hard to turn down. I don't give a fuck what you, that money's hard to turn out. But if you still have the ability to do your baby project, which is Atlanta, which I think it's got probably two or three more seasons left in it. What we're talking about is not going to, he's not going to give any of this up to focus on his music. So to what you're saying is that unless he gives all this up, we're not going to see the level of greatness that may be within him to do musically because there's too much stuff going on that he's not going to give up. Now, I'm going to, if, we, if, if I can at this point, express my, what my issue is not with the album but with him and this is why because I've been a big fan for a long time but after he won that Golden Globe right and he got up there and screamed out Migos <laughs> bad and bougie right. as the greatest song that's the most irresponsible shit anybody at that platform could ever do I can't believe what exactly what was, what was his exact or what thank was his you for I, I, I'm paraphrasing but thank you for making the greatest song ever he said greatest song ever. Greatest song ever. Bad and bougie. And I know those is boys from Atlanta, but dude, yeah. that's some, especially from a guy who, who we're respecting as a musical artist. It worked too, though. It I, worked. That, that, that's what made it worse. <laughs> it worked. That had an impact on Migos the same way Kanye did on Taylor Swift. <laughs> it blew them up, and now all of a sudden you got this guy who's probably the most talented individual of this genre right now. Mm-hmm co-signing on this bullshit as great music mm. see i i sort of you know i'm again a lot of our listeners a lot of our followers on twitter were really really celebrating what he said and i thought okay well maybe maybe i'm not american maybe that's it maybe i maybe i need to be from there to get this right why why do you not claim america when it's on some negative stuff but then you all up in America. You know what I'm saying? You're more American than I am, bro. Whatever, bro. Shop. Whatever. He compartmentalizes. Yeah, he can he can pick and choose when he gets to be, you know. Every, every everybody does it. I ain't mad. Keep doing it, John. That's the American way. <laughs> the American way, right? Right. Exactly. 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 Right, that's the American but way. I thought right. maybe something I just don't get. Um and and I know that there's all this hipster tongue in cheek. Let's celebrate some bullshit. But I couldn't, I couldn't work it out beyond that, but I thought maybe I just don't get it. That's interesting too, is that, and this is another conversation, but when he said that at the Golden Globes or wherever, obviously the mainstream press picked up on it. They were there, but they ran oh with day. it to such an extent. His, Why wouldn't they though? No, no, no. I'm saying, look at his cachet that he has I know, right? with the main, and that's, that's why I say he's rooted in that intellectual geek culture, nerd culture that gives him that type. And I'm not saying it's a negative thing, 
You know what I'm saying? GQ, everybody ran with this. Oh, Migos is the shit. I know. And I'm like, I'm listening to it like, okay, this is something for some 15-year-olds. How how are these 30-year-old, you know, white dudes, you know, jamming the Migos now? I, I, you get this more than anything else. He fed into that. That narrative has been extended through the entire culture of hip-hop. Like, if we could do anything to push black negativity to the forefront, we're going to use the press to do that. You know that. Mm. So when you have, you know, somebody like Migos, a group like Migos, who are friends with him, they, they work with him, and so I understand that connection there. But for a guy to use the platform and say that, and the press goes out and like, oh, shit, let's listen. Oh, this is some basically black misogynistic, you know, suicidal, you know, whatever the hell it is. This is this is this is the continuation of, you know, black folks depriving themselves of their own spiritual culture. Let's go with that. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep. He gave us a platform. So even though these are his boys, you feel like he shouldn't. Have, he shouldn't. Have That's the most that irresponsible thing you could do. At he that should realize. Right he should realize his own position. Thank you. So if they was your boys, you might have mentioned them someplace man, else. Hey man, not. thanks me. Hey Migos, appreciate y'all doing the thing we did for Atlanta's crew. But to label it and sign on it, co-sign it the way that he did at that minute, mm. at that minute. Mm. It's one of the most irresponsible things I've seen from a black artist musically in a long, long, long time. Do you think that there's any way he actually feels that way? That that is the best song? Um, is there a chance that he was being authentic? That's a good point. That's a very good point. Well, not even a point. It's a great question. Um, we have to say I yes. Honestly, we have to say I, that there is a chance because we don't there, know. There, we there, there, to answer your question, yes, there is a chance. But from the music that he does... There is nothing that he does inside of him that makes me believe that that's authentic. <laughs> right, right. Because everything he does right, creatively right, right, is exact right, right, right. opposite. It's like of that. Jahan saying it. <laughs> like if Jahan exactly. would have got up there and be like, Migos is the greatest song ever. Exactly. We'd have been like, what? What? Right. <laughs> There's nothing he's done musically to make me believe that. I would have had a better feeling that if Kanye had done that. Because Kanye has done some stuff. Like he's shown that that's inside Just him. Just for hype. Donald right. Glover has never shown anything he's done creatively that this is what's inside of him to consider being great. For you to say that and not know the power that music has over our culture, over our society, and co-sign on that, and just dismiss that impact, once again, it's, I think it's beyond irresponsible as far as I'm concerned. At that platform. At that, now, if he had said it in an interview, eh, maybe. But when you win a Golden Globe, and like you say, you have the entire press world on you. And Golden Globe is the international press. Right. Mm -hmm. right. For you to use that as a black man and scream out Migos like that? The more you talk about it, the more uh, uh, what the word? purposeful it sounds to me. Like The more this sounds like a planned out strategy. Okay, this how you we think maybe he's in his 30s, but he's still trying to appeal to... Yeah, I mean, like, the, this, I mean the more Scoop talks about it, the more this sounds like, okay, this is something that him, Migos, and his marketing people worked out. You know, when I get up on stage, I'm going to say this. If, if we win this, we'll do this. Yeah, and it, like I said, it worked because I had never heard of these cats, and I, I listened to it because I'm out. Donald Glover sound like, must be you know legit and I, learned, and I was like it. wait a minute exactly <laughs> like, what <a> <laughs> and then I asked I asked Paris I'm like is this hot you like he's like nah I don't I don't know he said they're overhyped that was those are Paris were mm -hmm. they're the most overhyped group so I don't know if other kids feel like that but you know the more you talk about it the more this sounds structured it's possible that there was like a sort of tongue-in-cheek level of appreciation right yeah I, mean, I was looking up backstage he expounded on that a little bit on Migos and he said that quote, I think they're the Beatles of this generation. 
Hold on. All right, babe. Hold on. I'm reading this. Uh, just, just, just a source that I'm reading. I'm reading this. I'm reading this from Pitchfork.com. Uh, his quote: "I think they're the Beatles of this generation, and I don't think they get a lot of respect beyond Atlanta." There's a generation of kids that are growing up on something that's completely separate from a whole group of people. Scoot Migos is just misunderstood, bro. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Their Sergeant Pepper is coming right. real soon. Right. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm so, so just on the context of what he said. So wait, just on the context of what he said. <laughs> <laughs> like, they are one popular song in their entire career. Go ahead, man. And he lined them up with the, not the Bee Gees, <laughs> the Beatles. What do we do now? If this is the cat that they, we, we just got up here saying that, okay, we want our kids to understand and listen to, you know, Awaken My Love because it's good for their foundation right. and music. That was your but now you what are we going to say about the it. artists? Like, damn, where is he going to lead them? Like, we're trying to pull them away from accepting Migos as the top of what music can be. But now here goes something else for you to listen to. Oh, that's dope. I listen to that. And now all of a sudden he's going to lead you right back to that and validate this is it? I got two questions. Question number one is, was the, was the reporter that asked that follow-up question, was, were they white? Because in, in saying that these guys are the Beatles, it's possible to me that he was saying, this isn't for you. This isn't something that you can understand. Don't even try to analyze it. It's possible to me. The second point is, are we being fair would you describe N.W.A. as a Beatles equivalent? Mm -mm. But I'm saying even if we did, that's N.W.A. compared to Migos. No, no, but still. And but from Scoop's no, 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 no. From Scoop's responsibility point, you you mentioned misogyny. You you specifically mentioned misogyny in why you thought it was irresponsible to mention Migos. Now, to be fair, N.W.A. They've got their moments. Mm -hmm. If you are going to break down exactly what I said, I also said off of one song. So I would have a problem if you came up on stage after, after just like, let's say after Dope Man. Okay, let's say, let's use Dope Man. After right. Dope Man was released, if you came up on stage at the Golden Globes. Said they were the Temptations. And said, no, right, right, exactly. <laughs> and basically said they the Temptations, or they the Osley Brothers. <laughs> yes, I got a problem with that. <laughs> This is the new Earth, Wind, and Fire right, right This here. is the new Earth, Wind, and Fire right here. Exactly. So you don't have a problem. If he came out and said, having listened to the collected works of <laughs> no. Migos. Jahan, ja no, Jahan, listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying you pulled out one context of what I said. I said, I said many things. There's more than just one thing. There's a misogyny in there. There's the ignorance. There's the one song. There's a lot of things that go into what I'm saying. So I'm just telling you. At least he used the Beatles and not Earth, Wind, and Fire. If he going to act wild like this. <laughs> Use a, one of their groups. Don't nah, be, don't nah, be, nah, you know what I'm saying? Because nah, they're nah, earth, wind, and fire. Nah, I don't nah, think Scoop might have drove out there and took dude out. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, yeah. Just, to, just to tie a bow on this, uh, the reporter was a woman named Lisa Butterworth. That could go either way. She's a white woman. I looked her profile up. Oh, she okay. was the reporter reporting for Vulture.com, who originally ran the story that was sourced from. Publication, but, but it, once again, it wasn't a one on one interview, it was no, backstage, it was backstage. A press, almost like a press junket. So, anybody could have asked it. Roundtable time since we've been gone, what one music related event was the most important to occur during the hiatus that the music snobs were on in 2016? Who wants to go first? Spoiler alert I don't have just one, I got like a little checklist. 
that I was just going to run through. Uh, I'll go. So mine is a personal one because um, I had to think about this because I couldn't. For me, nothing really on a mainstream level happened monumental for me. But uh, my son dropped his first album in the summer or August, I believe, 2016. So Paris. Yeah, Paris. And you can find it on uh, soundcloud.com slash Paris Michael, P-A-R-I-S. M-I-C-H-A-E-L Yeah, yeah, my squad full of heathens yeah. Mugshot pics and we never stop cheesing yeah. All up on the track and I never stop wheezing You the best alive if I ever stop breathing When I win, it's infinite in the sense that you were the rappers Finna get hit in the sickle sisters Sisters that I'm killing and whipping harder than Europeans All up on my sister and them homie, I'm so insensitive like, You refer to me as God See my enemies taking shots like God Yeah, I'm honest, homie, I promise Told me I'm doing nothing, homie, this ain't Congress Got me on the project, in the projects They're projecting that protection is like a silk collar what you want. I'm a lyrical See, you always wonder why the haters want to see me. Yeah, really you know, the album's Donald called, Glover's uh, gonna hear this and come back and she's like, "This motherfucker here just saying <laughs> right. something. I can, I constructed hey, this. At least and I'm gonna plug, right, right, and, and he's gonna plug his sons. <laughs> right. If I say it's the greatest song of all time, there's a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like I gave birth. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I can, I created this kid. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that. For me, it was a it was a monumental event. Um, obviously, because this is my you know this is my child, so this is his first foray into music at that level. Um, but I think for me, what it showed was um, an amount of of, of discipline and self determination um, that I think a lot of kids are lacking these days. Um, Paris had been you know fooling around with music for a while, but I told him, look, don't wait. You know, what I'm saying you got access to just go online and do whatever. You have so many tools at your disposal. So what he did was he found some producers online who were cool with, you know, using their tracks. Just shout them out as long as you're not selling it. Um, and he wrote, you know, he, he spent the summer uh, 2016 writing these songs, writing these lyrics um, and then recorded uh, right there, you know, about two feet from where we're sitting at right now. He recorded on his phone, his iPhone. Um, he got he recruited the help of some of his classmates. There's an interlude on there with the young girl singing. Um, that's one of his classmates. Um, so it was, it was it was really interesting for me to see that happen um, in an age where kids have so much access to things now. But a lot I question if this is the most if millennials are truly creative um, as much as they are access to creativity. Um, I think they have a lot of access that we didn't have when we were their age. But I don't know if there's a lot of millennials who are actually creating, you know, interesting, dope things as much as they get hyped for doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's like they get a lot of love for that, but I question that sometimes. So it was really interesting for me to see him do that. And then the product itself, I loved it. You know, it showed it showed the influences. It's crazy, man. You know, you play stuff for your kids. You don't know if it's hitting them. But, you know, when Paris was, uh, you know, two, two years old and I'm playing Rakim, you know, in the car at a time. This is, you know, 19, you know, this is 1999, 2000. It wasn't like Rakim was dropping product, you know, uh, every, so I'm, I'm playing him retro music at that point. And it had an impact on him, you know what I'm saying? So the stuff that, you know, the way he approaches um, and the lyrics and writing and um, how important it is and how uh, serious he approaches it, it was, it was cool for me to see that, you know? So obviously that was, you know, the biggest, you know, music thing that happened for me in 2016, um, and again, the album is called Doves Don't Cry Anymore, and it's on SoundCloud. And I think he's dropped a couple more singles since then because another album is coming out. And um, shout out to uh, to Jalen, uh, Scoop's son, because they've collaborated. Jalen's doing a lot of the artwork uh, for Paris's uh, project. So that's the other cool part, to see these two kids who grew up together, 
you know what I'm saying, being, you know, creative and being artists um, as, as young men, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I agree. I think uh, that was from a personal standpoint. I could see where Isaac is coming from in that because that doesn't happen too often. And if, if you're living in that mm-hmm. space and to see that creative jump from, you know. Talking about it to doing it. Yeah, yeah. to actually doing it and, and still maintaining what you got to do on the other side. What I think is interesting, though, is that we just got through talking about Donald Glover and, you know, Paris is not in school for music. Mm-hmm. He's right. in school for acting right. and film, yeah, and film. So, you know, going back to the I'm not keep this going, but you know what Donald Glover is doing could, could be a gateway to what Paris is going because you're juggling two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that even makes the responsibility of somebody like that even more important because now you got a talented kid like Paris following him and following that lead. So that's my. All right. Follow that. <laughs> uh, I try. Okay, so 2016. I, th- I think there was a lot of disappointment for me in 2016. Apart from apart from the amount of loss, the amount of physical loss that we had for that year, um, I was disappointed in several album releases. And Awaken wasn't. That was really kind of the capstone to it. The centerpiece is Kanye's botched release and then attempt at making the life of Pablo's release interesting by remixing it in the open. I get that. I you should think, just stay with that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think yeah. that is the poster child for 2016 being this experimentation by different artists of releasing albums in these very non-traditional ways by trying to harness the internet and their social network. But Kanye's Pablo which see I feel that it actually could have been executed better even if he was going to say hey I'm going to release this in the open meaning what you have today may not be what you have next week you know and the files are going to change so that at the end of it you fundamentally have maybe three or four complete sets Mm -hmm. of the same album Mm -hmm. from three or four different viewpoints Mm -hmm. but it just it was just I, I just feel that it was poorly executed and I think I think title has a, a, a hand in this by not being able because initially the release was going to be title only. You were able to purchase the album only from title or streaming. The purchase component of it didn't work. But what when that happened, he had to pull the album and then re-release it. I just think it was just, I just think it was poorly executed. But but what I really didn't like about it was that certain. Um, like (laughs) like this was something some great thing that i just did that i just didn't get because i i I didn't yeah that was some bullshit but you know what for kanye i I agree with you it was botched but it worked because he got a lot of press over that album that i don't think he would have gotten he would have got i mean he's kanye he's gonna get a lot of press i'm saying what you're talking about right now people analyzing that how it was released how he in real time he was working on it i'm not gonna lie i found it interesting i didn't agree with it i didn't think it was cool but i'm like it was interesting to see an album actually being worked on in real time great idea Immedi- poor execution immediately after no i think it was just poor execution that mm-hmm. happened to work you know mm-hmm. it wasn't planned ah, uh, mm-hmm. it just happened to work but immediately after that the rihanna thing was just jacked up mm-hmm. it was just there was it was nothing good it was all wrong you know and that was title too so yeah i agree with you but i think the kanye thing what was most interesting to me about is how it kind of ended up working out for him 
whether you like the album or his not. His whole trying to do things so differently, you know, some of it backfired against him. This is one particular situation where it didn't. But he's, you know, people are so fiending for what he's doing musically. I think they gave him a pass. On his, I don't think after this he's going to get the same pass, though. You, you know, know I, mean? I gave him a pass because it didn't seem planned to me. It seemed like he genuinely fucked that up. Because right. the point, remember, he was like, I'm going to fix whatever song that was, right. Wolves or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> this dude yeah was Wolves. Like, I haven't been out for like two weeks. Are you talking about you going to fix something? It was like, it was just like so jacked up that I'm like, it was a genuine effort. Whereas, had it been planned, the Rihanna thing just seemed like a, it just seemed just botched. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just, and she, I think she was pissed about it, too. Mm-hmm. With uh, t- with title and whoever else, but yeah, with Kanye, you know, whether you like, uh, in, in increasingly, I don't like what he does, but he does, you know, that he does try new things. You know, he has a vision, and it's always, often, it's a jacked up vision, but he does have a vision. Did this bother you more as a uh, as a non isolated incident, like you know, like okay, I didn't like this. This was the thing that I didn't like. But is there concern that this might not be just this alone? That's like, what I'm saying. Right. Like what you you know effect that this may have because other because other people will follow behind it. Yeah. You know to say ah oh, here's you know what other kind of you know kooky way can I can I make this work? It's your girl's fault though. This started with Beyonce. <laughs> Let's she... put blame where blame belongs. <laughs> No, when she did that brilliant thing with uh, the Beyonce album, you know, that started this trend where I was like, well, damn, now I can't just, you know, announce an album and drop it. Now I got to do something, you know, different. I got to, you know, drop it when nobody's looking, you know, and it's like they no one's ever done it as well as she did. it. You know what I'm saying? Just, mm-hmm. you know, let's look at what she did. Whether you like that album or not, she dropped, dropped the album, dropped an entire film, basically, that nobody knew she was doing, you know, and then it, to me, it's her best album ever. So this started to meet with her, and then Kanye tried to follow. All these artists are trying to follow. But he tried, Kanye tried to follow. Do you feel he tried to do some or try to do something different? One up and no, like, I, think I can't I, do the same. Like Kanye's like, I'm not gonna do the same thing. I got no. Do he tried to follow, but Kanye, being Kanye, you know, after he dropped the album, five minutes later realized, oh, it's not finished. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah. And that was a genuine Kanye moment where it's like, dude, you just are really nutty. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why didn't? Because to me, that album isn't bad. I like a lot of songs on the album. I feel like it would have been a whole lot better had he taken four or five months to finish it and then release it as a finished product rather than the half project, you know, it was. Jahan, you in? Anything? Well, I, I think the, um, the grandioseness of it and the ambition of it, it all represents who they buy into Kanye or what they buy into Kanye for as an artist. And I think a lot of people believe that he's this mad scientist. <laughs> who's just got you know all these amazing picasso like ideas in his head <laughs> right. he can't concentrate you know, he, on one thing yeah, right. yeah he, and he's he, he's just rampaging around his studio covered in paint <laughs> and with this wild glare in his doing eyes. things that we don't understand <laughs> right well yeah but there's you know say what we want to say there's a lot of people out there who buy into it yeah i think your mad scientist point is the biggest point i think that that's you know that what happened in early 2016 fit the you know the narrative that kanye is such a genius that you know he was just dropping this and he was you know constantly working on it and you know and i think that a lot of journalists to your point arthur with the fake news like the new york times um i know was huge on you know they were dropping Mm -hmm. stories weekly on the Mm -hmm. album and you know they and again to me it was interesting but I didn't, I didn't buy into the narrative that this cat is such a genius that this is why this is being rolled out. This yeah, way. I have a real problem with being told that because I don't get it, 
or because right. I don't like it, I don't understand right. what I'm looking at. Right, exactly. That's that's exactly. a common artistic cop out. You know, that's been around for forever. Well, that was a big thing right, for, and I'm I'm gonna draw the hard line in the sand because I'm not trying to get in on this album. But I had a big that that really was happening with Frank Ocean's Blonde. It was like, hey, well, he's <laughs> teaching us. That was I saw this in the Atlantic. He's teaching us how to listen to this music by doing it by demonstration. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. Um, for me, the most important musical music-related event of 2016 was Kendrick Lamar's performance at the Grammys in February. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. It's probably the greatest Grammy performance I've ever seen in my life. Mm. To do three songs, not one, but three songs. Mm. One of which is a completely new song mm-hmm. to root it all in black American music. Mm. Most of all, I loved the third untitled track. It was, it blew my mind. It's been a week already, been a week already, got me a peak possibility of what could be. Situation is heavy, I got the proof. On February 26, I lost my life too. It's like I'm here in the dark dream. Nightmare hearing screams recorded. Say that it sounds distorted, but I know who it was. That was me yelling for help when he drowned in his blood. Why did he defend himself? Why couldn't he throw a punch? And the full community, do you know what this does? Add to a trail of hatred. 2012 was taken for the world to see. Set us back another 400 years. This is modern day slavery. The reason why I'm by your house. You threw your briefcase along the couch. I plan on creeping through your damn door. Blowing out every piece of your brain. To your son, to be your arm. Cut off the engine that's been off for the rain. I'm on the dead. An artist of Kendrick's stature would be open to this. And it, and it really goes back to everything that we said in the Butterfly episode. Yeah, that was, um, that was it for me. No argument. I mean, it's not an argument. Not even, there's nothing. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree too. It's, I, I didn't know that was last year. That feels like that was a long time ago. It does, doesn't it? February. Yeah. February of last year. Yes. Yeah. A year ago. Yeah, that was. I feel the same way. I concur. Scuba doo. Well, mine is 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 it's it's different, but the one thing and I'm trying to stay true to the question about what impactful and I'm not saying for good or bad, it's just I thought it was important that, that was missed and it was unexpected on my end was the entire impact musically that Hamilton eventually had last year beyond just Broadway. Mr. Vice you know. That and that's something we never discussed on the show. That's something mm-hmm. that kind of went under. But Senator what Hamilton became musically outside of just a Broadway play, you know, how it extended itself into various areas that had nothing to do with, like I said, with the play, but also how it extended itself into our community from a quote-unquote hip-hop standpoint, and and sort of the acceptance and understanding and 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 the whole mixtape because the mixtape, the Hamilton became its own little thing. It's like wow. So that entire thing took me by surprise, and I never saw. And to watch how big it actually became, right? Yeah. So that was the thing. I and I'm trying to stay true. Like I'm not gonna say it was most important, because the question was most important. I'm kind of going on what was big and big when something reaches that level, you know, where it's, where it transcends what it is. 
you know, to watch that unfold, I, th- I think that becomes important to a certain degree. You know, so um, that was my thing in 2016. It's like just watching that unfold and watching what it became and how it grew and how it transcended. And it's basically how its fabrics really got into, you know, uh, uh, an acceptance level in, in, in the hip-hop uh, genre, in the hip-hop culture. It was like, wow, you know, yeah. You know, interesting thing about Broadway is that because it's so, well, first of all, it's so expensive mm-hmm. and it's very regional. I mean, right. where because they, the origins of these plays, for the most part, right. are in New York City. Mm-hmm. But it's like people can be very, very familiar with the music of a play without ever having seen the play. Right. Um, for me, it was The Wiz and not the movie The Wiz. The Wiz right, on Broadway, exactly. um, but Sound of Music, West Side Story. Exactly. We're familiar with this material without having any real point of reference of what it's about. Mm-hmm. And I think Hamilton, I know I know for my youngest daughter, she stopped listening to everything. Selena. I've watched it. Yeah. You know, Bieber, Shawn Mendes. Like, she's done. And she's, she's rapping. She's singing, yeah. rapping the stuff that she's heard on the soundtrack. And she was the one that even introduced the soundtrack into our house. Mm-hmm. I see in her what I experienced. Yeah. I've, it's the same thing. I've, I watched it happen, and I've seen it happen in that situation with many people. You know, And that's just the soundtrack, because when they released the soundtrack and started selling it, just mm-hmm. as the play alone, it reminded me of... You know, when I was a kid and watched when Jesus Christ Superstar really just like yeah, yeah uh-huh. his own genre or hair or hair right, uh-huh. but, but then they started becoming Coke commercials. Like Coca Cola started building all their commercials off of that whole mm-hmm. sound. Godspell is another e- one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you motherfuckers are old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember none of this. I'm like, what? <laughs> All right, that's a full lid. This has been the Music Snobs Podcast. Please find us online at themusicsnobs.com. And I more than encourage, in fact, I demand that everyone subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And please, here, I'll be humble at this point. Please write a review. (laughs) What kind of review is they going to write now? Any kind of review. (laughs) After you demand it that they do something. Because I'm like super salty by Apple after having never put our cover art on any landing page in the in, in the in the iTunes store yeah <laughs> and we're on Twitter at Total Music Snobs that's it <laughs>